We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Stats fans, welcome to another episode of the Her Hoop Stats Unplugged podcast. It's officially WNBA playoff season. We're through the first two rounds, so super exciting time of year for us. As always, you're here with Megan Gower, and I'm joined today by Aaron Barzlay. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? I'm doing okay. Uh, happy Friday morning. Yes, happy Friday morning. We're recording a little later than usual this week because we obviously couldn't be recording during the big exciting playoff games last night um, some might say that we're recording earlier than usual uh, you know <laughs> yeah. instead of a beer i've got my i decided to go with tea this morning what did you say you were drinking coffee of course always coffee <laughs> is that still your first cup right now yeah it's still my first cup so i'll need a couple more but <laughs> well i think the fact you've got it if you've got it handy I, we people might expect to hear your uh, energy increase over the course of the podcast <laughs> yes probably <laughs> um but yeah, super exciting play, or at least one super exciting playoff game last night. But we've gone through the first two rounds since we last talked. So first round on Tuesday, and then um, third, or sorry, second round to last night. Any initial reactions that you wanted to share to those games? Yeah, no, I mean, I think the biggest story has to be Connecticut, right? Not too shockingly mm-hmm. um, with their win uh, last night. I have to say I was going into this with the expectation that, uh, you know, so to call it home court advantage, as you know, I've been skeptical of that all year, even when people were writing articles early on about how big it was. And then uh, as our Jacob Mox has put out, you know, he has a really nice graph showing on our website or on um, our social feed how it got back to no home court advantage uh, by the end of the season. I think they finished 500. But what I was expecting was that having the rest, so being the home teams yesterday, was going to be a huge advantage. And, I, you know, I don't think it played that way. So that was a real surprise. Um, and then Connecticut, uh, you know, just continuing to uh, 
show how they're kind of, I guess, improving and, you know, is it peaking at the right time? Is that the right thing to say? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, at the risk of being thrown under some disrespect to CT, you know, hashtags, I would say I don't think anyone would have picked Connecticut to kind of blow through both of these games. I mean, they won by a big margin on Tuesday and then again last night. Of course, Neko Gumake for the Sparks being out was a huge blow to kind of the Sparks' chances, I think, last night. But still, I don't think anyone would have picked Connecticut to totally blow through those games like they did. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of luck and that I think Chicago is not the team that they were, right? So the seeds probably didn't reflect. And I think that's true in the power rankings we put out this week as well. I think I might have even voted Connecticut over Chicago Mm -hmm. uh, in our power rankings. Um, I forget where we came out as a group. But uh, and then, yeah, I think the NECA news, you know, obviously just individually, she's a big loss. And then I wonder how uh, it affected the team as well. Yeah, agreed. I think obviously it kind of messes with their game plan, right? Like she's such a kind of big part of that organization. But I also think a big thing for that was just like you usually have, you know, NECA and Candace Parker in your front court versus uh, you would have had, you know, Alyssa Thomas and Dewana Bonner on the other side. Now you only have Candace Parker. That's kind of that like big front court force for LA. So it makes that matchup a lot harder. I mean, like we saw Alyssa Thomas and Dewana Bonner both went off last night. So allows them to have their way a little bit more when you don't have that kind of second option from the sparks in there. Yeah. But I mean, ultimately I think what doomed them was their shooting, right? They were, they shot 20 for 60. So 33% from the field and that includes two for 18 from three. So, you know, you need more, especially with that. Cause the only other person that scored double digits besides Candace Parker, who had 22 and played uh, all 40 minutes last night was uh, Simone Augustus who got 10 points. So, um, gray just had four. She shot two for nine, um, and did not have an assist, had three turnovers. So it's just overall, it was just pretty rough. Right. And I mean, credit Connecticut's defense summon there because they were phenomenal. I think they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. If I'm not incorrect, they're like have allowed less points than every team except for Seattle this season. And we all know how good Seattle has been defensively. So they've been really strong defensively all season long. Yeah, they're actually uh, Connecticut's fourth in um, defensive rating points allowed per uh, 100 possessions. But they are second in points per game because they're uh, points per game allowed, excuse me, because they're a pretty uh, slow paced uh, team. Gotcha. So, yeah, maybe not quite the second-best defense in the league, but still a very strong defense. You've got to have a lot of strong defensive players on there. I think, you know, Alyssa Thomas has probably gotten some nods for defensive player of the year. So when you don't have – the ball's not falling and then add in that defensive pressure, it makes for a difficult night for the Sparks. Yeah. How much credit do you give Connecticut versus L.A. last night? I feel like a lot of it just came down to that first quarter, right? Like Connecticut came out, they hit shots. LA was struggling. They had their worst quarter of the entire season. The rest of the way through is pretty even. It was really just that, like that first quarter differential that LA could never make up. Um, They really just kind of fell out of it then. And then we're just never able to close that gap. Yeah, I saw you tweeted that. I guess I think Connecticut won the second through fourth quarters. It was like 51 to, mm-hmm. um, let me think, see here. F- sorry, 40, uh, 46, I think. But um, no, that's not quite right. But uh, 
anyhow, I think that, uh, you know, it was a pretty close game, but Connecticut won it. I felt like people were sort of waiting for the Sparks to really close the gap at some point and make it a tight game. And just, you know, they kind of get in the direction of that, but couldn't really uh, ever really force a little bit of tension. Right. Yeah. They cut it to like, you know, 14 or so a couple times in the fourth quarter, but they're just we're able to kind of make a sustained run there to really close it out or make it a game down to the wire. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I'll be fascinated to see um, what happens on Sunday, right? Because, you know, are we going to think that the, um, you know, when Connecticut's playing Vegas, that, you know, the rest for, you know, I, again, I still think the rest has to help, but, um, you know, the whole rest versus rust argument that happens every year during the playoffs, uh, and how that's going to affect things. I just have to believe that, um, well, it'll be, I, I don't know, actually, I guess I'll be very interested to see how they do it. Yeah. I feel like it'll, it's interesting to see the rest versus the rest is such a big debate for these like first two games when it's single elimination, but I mean, come Saturday, even if, you know, Seattle or Vegas, sorry was to drop that first game because of rust, which I still think the rest will be more helpful, but even if it isn't like they've still got, you know, four more games to make up for that. So I think it becomes a little bit less important uh, kind of going into these now five game series versus single elimination games. Yeah, no, again, I think I have to believe the rest is going to help the aces. Uh, It's so rejuvenating to after the grind, the season has been to have just a few days off, not to, uh, uh, you know, they could take a day off completely. They could, you know, do some light walkthroughs, really let their bodies recover. Um, so hopefully they'll be able to come out fresh on uh, Sunday. And then the nice thing about opening the this next round of the playoffs, the semifinals, I guess, with uh, on Sunday is that it's a three-day break, right, because of the Thursday mm-hmm. through Sunday. So it's not like it's a super tight turnaround for Connecticut or Minnesota. Right, yeah, both of those teams get a couple days of rest before they have to play again and then agreed with the rest for Vegas, especially considering how they finished off the regular season they played. I think it was like Minnesota Thursday, LA Saturday, Seattle Sunday. They had quite the tough stretch kind of down the final weekend of the season. So good for them to, after playing three games in four days, get some rest in there and kind of be able to recover, try to avoid any more injuries heading into the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad that the games are on uh, Sunday, I guess. I haven't totally checked the schedule, but I believe that um, obviously they're going to be against the football NFL, but I believe that the NBA game is on Sunday evening that day. So I'll check what they're talking. And so there's a chance for the people that are, uh, you know, to pick basketball fans that might, yeah, it's a seven thirty game for the NBA. So, um, you know, it's really been interesting how the scheduling has worked out and how there have been NBA basketball, like on ESPN against both of these WNBA mm-hmm. playoff games. I think it definitely can't be avoided, but, um, you know, I'm hoping that when there are not NBA games going on, that it'll be possible to pick up some WNBA fans, which, you know, there's many different constituencies to the WNBA uh, fan base. And certainly there's a portion of them that also like the NBA. And so it'll be nice to make it easier for them. Yeah, I agree. Part of me wishes that, you know, the NBA was one night and WNBA was the other night just to spread it out a little bit more also selfishly so I could watch the Celtics games and not be like watching three things at the same time. But 
um hopefully agreed that when the games don't overlap it'll pick up some more fans yeah i mean i'm i don't know what the right solution is right you want to be in a world where the WNBA ultimately has enough fans that they can drive things. Although it has been interesting to watch how the NBA has been scheduling around the NFL, right? So I think that's a good thing for all of us to remember uh, about the WNBA. But I think that um, the, to me, my ideal schedule is to be similar to what the NBA does. Uh, and, you know, you could argue that maybe this isn't the, the best way to showcase the league, especially with West Coast teams, but like, it's also interesting that TNT starts their NBA games at nine Eastern, but ESPN starts them at like eight thirty Eastern. And so it'd be really nice if instead you could have them both do it at nine and then there could be a WNBA game every night. That's, I've said this for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the back to back. I'd much rather have, you know, one conference on or whatever, I guess not conference, but one semifinal on, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and so on. And the other one, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and then you could run it at seven to nine before the NBA game. And so, you know, we talk a lot about that in other contexts. It's like double headers and stuff mm-hmm. uh, in partnership with the men's game, like on college and stuff. So I don't understand why that couldn't happen. Now, again, that's pretty rough for a four o'clock Seattle Storm or Sparks game uh, local right. time. Right. So I I get it. But, you know, it'd be interesting to experiment with all that to try and figure out, you know, what would actually draw in the most fans. So, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I know the, uh, like I said, the NBA is not going to play a game on Monday, actually, to avoid, because uh, it would have been an ESPN game at the same time as Monday Night Football, which they also have. So uh, always something to think about. But, uh, you know, again, I'm just glad that we got the games this week. Uh, and, you know, I think the schedule will start to space out a little bit, which will be good for everybody. Agreed. Um, kind of going back to the games this week, because we haven't talked about really Phoenix or Minnesota yet. I mean, those were the, in my opinion, the two 7 p.m. games were like the the games of the week. They were both fantastic games, both decided by one point. So much fun to watch. Um, if you have a rooting interest, probably not great for your heart rate, but um, really good games, both of those. Yeah, yeah. No, it's amazing. That Shea Petty uh, bucket to win it on Tuesday uh, was uh, impressive. I know, you know, I heard, um, I think, uh, Gabe debating whether the what exactly that play was. And I'm not sure that it was, um, you know, that she was really even the option you could hear on the replay. They're talking about the flare screen, which it didn't look like Petty was doing. It just looked like uh, Diggin Smith, right, drew the defense <laughs> and then got the pass on Tuesday over to her. And she was able to uh, hit the bucket. Um, I went back and looked. The only time in her WNBA career, which admittedly is not that long, that uh, Petty had scored in the last minute of a game or in overtime was over a year ago, September 8th. I think it was like the end of the regular season uh, for the Mystics last year. She had a driving layup to make the score 100 to 81. So a totally total outlier in terms of what she'd done in her career to that point. But uh, super exciting. Uh, and, you know, just got to love that that drama. That's kind of why we love the game. Yeah, exactly. Like so much fun. And then last night you had the Phoenix Minnesota game, which didn't quite go Phoenix way. They didn't couldn't hit that, you know, big game winning shot at the end there, but still a lot of fun to watch. Um and I think the emotion from Minnesota after that game was pretty cool to see. So Sylvia Fowles, who played some last night but didn't get a ton of minutes. I don't she might be have needed the rest from not being on the court for so long, or also I think they were just struggling a little bit to find their footing incorporating her back into the lineup but 
she was in tears after the game, just so excited and proud of her team. And then interviewing Crystal Dangerfield, she got emotional. Just no one expected them to be kind of in this position going this season. So was pretty excited to see them headed to the semifinals. Yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, it was great basketball and Tarasi just amazing, right? She had that yes. four point play. You, that, see, that was yeah. the moment that uh, you're like, oh, okay, they're making their uh, run to come back. Right. Here. Uh, so I thought there was a chance. And then she also, I guess it was a, yeah. Did she get the, um, no, no, no. She, I thought she got fouled actually on one after that, but I guess they didn't call it, uh, looking back here at the play by play. So, but, uh, yeah, she was just spectacular, but again, like, um, you know, needs the help. I was looking at the box score. Uh, you know, she got 28, she had 28 points, uh, last night, but Diggin Smith only had eight. Uh, she did get support from, uh, Turner who had 13 and Kevon who had 10. Um, another stat, um, I had looked up ahead of the game. Apparently when, when Tarasi and Skylar Diggins, uh, score 38 or more points, the team is 10 and 0 it was 10 and 0 this season <laughs> but uh, they were only 4 and 9 when they scored 37 or less and so uh, you know they had 36 last night yeah so just below that mark and they just yeah. lost it by one point so exactly if, she, like... if they got a 38 it would have been 81 80 uh, phoenix so. <laughs> yeah. um but yeah that's interesting right uh, Dickin smith made a nice pass on tuesday night to get she petty the bucket but then mm-hmm. um you know the late game execution there for the mercury what looked uh suboptimal uh if we say it politely and christy Tur- yeah. oliver was talking on espn right about how uh you know it needs to be better better decision making by Dickin smith yeah, agreed. And actually, wanted to shout out Christy Tolliver because I thought she was awesome on the broadcast last night. Like, very frank about the games. It was great analysis. It was awesome to see that. Yeah, she's always excellent. And, uh, you know, I feel like Sue Bird gets that spot a lot uh, <laughs> on broadcast. But Christy is, is wonderful. I've talked to her once, maybe twice, I think, in person. Um, and, uh, you know, just looks so professional and just does a really great job. You know, she's coach, right, for the Wizards. <laughs> And so I am excited to see her. Well, I'm excited to see the rest of her career, but then I think that, uh, you know, what's in store even after her playing career is over. Agreed. And just for the rest of these playoffs, I'm excited to see who they bring in. I think we had Renee Montgomery Tuesday, Christy Tolliver last night. So I'm sure we'll see probably both of them again, but also excited to see who else that's, you know, not playing the season or has already left the wobble that they bring on to do some of that analysis at halftime and after the game. Yeah, I couldn't tell, and I was um, there were a couple little chunks of the game I missed. I thought it was uh, Megan Rapino sitting courtside. Uh, I thought for the game, I couldn't decide that. I didn't see them spot later, but oh, like, you may I as well be might may as well be spot maybe be scouting, right? <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't notice to be honest, but yeah, I wasn't playing. certain. So I mean, you would have <laughs> thought they would have said something, but yeah, I wanted to make sure I didn't miss it. But yeah, no, there's, there's definitely. <laughs> Lots of great uh, personalities, I guess. Uh, you know, we haven't seen much of Shanae, right, in the WNBA mm-hmm. coverage, right? So I guess she's busy yeah. with her, uh, I guess it's not an well, afternoon job, right, uh, <laughs> with her radio show. Yeah, that, and I'm, I haven't watched a ton of the NBA, but I have a feeling she's probably been on some of the NBA coverage as well. Being, things are kind of going on simultaneously, and she does usually do some of that, so... Yeah, she does. Although I think, yeah, I think with this radio show that she's got, which I have not had a chance to listen to since uh, I am not driving during drive time. Uh, <laughs> yes. that, uh, uh, you know, I know it's. It seems like uh, people are pretty happy with how that's going. So, uh, shout out to Janae. 
Yeah, it's really awesome to see kind of some of the big things that players that aren't playing this season are doing off the court. Yeah. I mean, Sinead's always doing an insane amount of things anyway, but <laughs> it's awesome to see her continuing to do it while she's not playing. But she would probably still be doing it if she was playing. She's just one of those people that I feel like is always, you, you look at her schedule and you're just like, how? <laughs> yeah, no, especially as I get older and uh, don't have my youthful energy that I once did, right? It's like <laughs> so, so amazing. Um, but yeah, but getting back to the game, right? So I did feel like the story coming away of out of it at the very end, right? It was just that, um, you know, Tarasi didn't get either of those real last two uh, possessions didn't really have much of a chance to to do anything, even though she'd been kind of leading the way all game. And then, like, what did you think of uh, the Lynx and how they played? Yeah, I thought the first quarter for them was rough. I think, I mean, understandably, the Fowles hasn't played since like the seventh game or so of the season. They haven't really spent a ton of time with her in that system. And then they, you know, um, kind of figured out how to win without her, right? Like, that's what they've had to do this season. So now, Plugging her back into the lineup, which I think is ultimately like in a five-game series going to be to their advantage. I think last night when you need to figure out how to win right the second, like uh, maybe took them a little bit there. I think, you know, it's a new addition back into the system. They probably haven't fully practiced with her that much yet. So shook things up a little bit for them. Um, And I also feel like they just really all game long struggled to get in Fisa Collier touches, which is going they were able to win it without that last night but something they're gonna need to figure out going forward i don't think it's a good winning game plan to not have collier getting more touches in the game there but i mean amira stances had a fantastic game she was phenomenal for them really is what kind of especially in the first half like drove them to even stay in the game and then i mean crystal dangerfield was fantastic in the second half she had 15 of her 17 points in that second half, so it was really able to keep them going. Yeah, no, uh, picking up on a couple of points, you just said Collier took six shots, which the only player who played and took less was Bridget Carlton, uh, who had three. Uh, Bantam had seven. Uh, Fouls had eight in half the playing time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a, it'll be interesting to see what adjustments they made. And yeah, I mean, one of the stories I was thinking about this before we uh, hopped on, I don't think I mentioned this before, but it is really remarkable sort of um, how much the WNBA has really gone to, I don't know if we call it positionless basketball or small Mm -hmm. ball. It's a little much, but right. Just the absence of the real dominant bigs like Sylvia Fowles, right? There's no one that can really match up with Sylvia when she's at full strength, right? Left in the, in the playoffs, right? Unless I'm totally blanking. You know, Hamby is obviously strong, but I mean, Fowles just has a huge size advantage on everyone. But instead, you know, what the key play, as you said, is people like Dante's going, you know, four for nine from three. Um, I was just checking. Fowles took uh, one three-pointer, I think, in her whole WNBA career, and that was back in 2010. So, um, you know, it's just really remarkable. The game has transitioned with people like Griner not playing and uh, Cambage not playing. And then, you know, but even people like Elena Deladon and... and Jonquil Jones, right? I don't really think of them in the same way that I think of Fowles. Right. Yeah, they're just a little bit different kind of players. I mean, Jonquil Jones is one of my favorite players just because her game is so interesting. Like, she is, like, does have a lot of traits of a true center, but then can also step out and take three. So, just a different kind of game. Um, but yeah, sides wise, she's not quite a, you know, Sylvia Fowles or Brittany Greiner type player. There's only a handful of those types of players 
left in the lake at this point. Yeah. So if, if the it's going to be really interesting to see what happens if the Lynx do struggle to um, adjust having fouls come back. I know that Richard had flagged that in his last W dozen uh, a week ago. Um, and You know, just like what that's going to mean for the value of the real true bigs uh, going forward in this league. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they'll figure it out. I think it's going to, if they're going to, I mean, I expect Seattle will win the series anyway, but if they're going to you know, put up a fight against Seattle for the series, I think it's going to be necessary, right? Because Seattle, I mean, they have Stuart, but she's not in Howard, but they're not quite, you know, ready to, or not, I shouldn't say ready, but they can't quite match up with fouls in terms of size and strength inside. Right. So that will be a huge advantage for the Lynx going in that series. Otherwise you've got, you know, Nafisa Collier trying to guard one of them and <laughs> not going to be quite the same matchup. So um, it'll obviously be a big advantage for them if they can get fouls to a place where they can, or their team to a place where they can work fouls back in to play some more minutes in that yeah. game. No, Fowles was like hugely valuable during the regular season, right? She was mm-hmm. number one in both PER and win chairs per 40 minutes uh, in her seven games she played. It was really just six because she only played one minute, uh, like one minute and 23 seconds when she got hurt against the Aces. But um, but yeah, no, it's going to be fascinating to watch the transition, whether having a, one game under her belt is going to help in a couple more days of uh, presumably conditioning as well as just kind of acclimating to be on the floor again. Yeah, if I had to guess, I feel like that's probably going to be a focal point of the Lynx's practice, too, is just walkthroughs and things like that to kind of integrate her back into the lineup and make things run a little bit more smoothly in the next game. Yeah, right. How do you leverage her strength when she's in, Dante's strength when she's in? Mm-hmm. And then Dangerfield, like the more I watch, you know, like the more I watch her, right, it's just like I keep raising my expectations for her every game, I feel. I don't know if you're at that point or not. Yeah, I mean, she's just been incredible. Actually, something, I mean, she obviously won Rookie of the Year yesterday. It's been honestly irking me because everyone's like, well, if Kennedy Carter didn't get hurt. And I'm like, well, yes, the, the race would have been closer. But I, did, I feel like it's discounting, like, how good she has been this season. I mean, she's the top scorer on the number four team in the league. Like, it, it deserves some credit, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so that's kind of been a pet peeve of mine over the last 24 hours. But... Yeah, I mean, 17 points, 15 in the second half in a playoff game. She just consistently delivers for the links. Um, it's been extremely impressive. Yeah, one stat that I found about her, which is I was really surprised by, is that you know she's hitting 56.5%, or at least in the regular season, on two-point attempts. Mm-hmm. And so um, that would have ranked sixth, actually, among everybody in the league. It took a hundred or more two pointers. So oh, wow. uh, the only people ahead of her are all bigs, right? Brianna right. Jones hit sixty percent. Uh, Brianna Turner fifty eight. Neca fifty eight. Um, Azumi Beggar shot hit uh, fifty seven and a half. And Cheyenne Parker, and, and then Dangerfield. So uh, for me, in five five, it's uh, pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's extremely remarkable. I mean, so much of that is her speed, right? The way she can just kind of blow by people cutting to the basket um and her size acts i think is an advantage of that right you can kind of sneak through smaller spaces and um but yeah she drives to the hoop so well her three-point shooting hasn't been like the best this season but i mean we've seen what she could do from deep in college so i'm sure that will come so it's been yeah that's an incredible stat i actually didn't know that I was shocked yesterday when I got the release and it was like she's 11th in scoring in the league. And I was like, oh. 
I didn't even realize that. Yeah, it's like for being touted, it's under, she's under the radar, right? So she's averaged mm-hmm. also um, 3.6 assists per game, right? Which is only right. 17th. But uh, and I guess she's even a little lower on assist rate. So and I don't think she had any assists last night, uh, which is fascinating. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but hey, it worked, right? They got they did what they need, survive in advance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she didn't have any assists last night. But I think that well, part of it was just the struggle at the beginning, and then I would say that you also kind of had two point guards on the floor last night, which is something the Lynx hasn't really done. But you know, you had Sims on the floor as right. well, so you kind of had two people that could play that position um but yeah no she had a fantastic night for them last night really stepped it up in that second half to kind of bring things or get the win for the links so great to see that yeah yeah and what do you think i saw Lindsay gibbs i think right tweeted out about the sort of format like what's your opinion of the sort of double single elimination if that's the right phrase uh the single elimination on both tuesday and thursday do you want to see do you like it the way the league has it right now or do, would you like to see a longer series what, do you, what is your take yeah i have mixed opinions on it i like i love the thrill and the excitement of the single elimination right like for me it's like when i'm like oh should i watch the celtics or should i watch the wmba right. like last night i'm like well i'm watching the wmba because it's single elimination like celtics like yeah they lost but there's still like five more games to play like it's not as thrilling right it's not like winner go home type situation um i think it keeps it exciting but then part of me like watches like a game like last night where no disrespect to connecticut but like the sparks are expected to be the better team in that matchup right and then you have NECA out which is obviously a huge blow and you yeah, get just an ill-timed move. migraine right so right right and then you get no chance to recover from that and it's like okay that's not really representative of like the type of the season the sparks had um so yeah part of me thinks it deserves like a i almost say like keep the first game a single elimination because you're it's the lower seeds right it's not anyone you're expecting to win the title add some thrill to it um but then i would say maybe the second round should be like a three game series it doesn't need to be the full five but the single elimination, especially in like a situation like that where they just don't have NECA and like obviously that hurts your chances so much, um, kind of makes it feel a little bit unfair if you're really trying to crown the best team. Like the Sparks is a team that you were like, okay, I mean, if they played in Vegas, could they like advance to the finals? And now you're like, all right, well, no reason to talk about that because they didn't even make the semis. Um, and if there had been a three game series, maybe they would have. Not saying that kind of like couldn't have beat them, but. Um, yeah i'm kind of torn on it i see what you're saying Uh, i think for me the part that uh i struggle with is just that inconsistency of it right it's like let's either be series or let's either be elimination games right like the ncaa tournament it's all elimination games so you sort of you just know that's part of it um and then you know in most leagues the playoffs are you know relatively consistent in terms of length right across the you know all the sports so you know, and even this year, the NBA had their like seeding games thing, which, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how to make the NBA playoffs more exciting, but they sort of like separate that from the core playoffs and they view it as like making, you know, like losing essentially on Tuesday, kind of like the NCAA tournament playing games uh, for them as well. Uh, it's, you know, it's not quite the playoffs, but it's kind of the playoffs. And so I think that they're, you know, could almost be value in sort of separating those two things. Like maybe the playoffs are really starting on 
uh, Sunday in this case, or, you know, let's go for series for everything. And then just think of it as a play in game for the last two spots. Right. Um, mm -hmm. which is like a little different, but somehow setting it up the way we do where it's like these different lengths and whatnot, uh, just kind of mentally throws me off. It kind of feels like the main event is starting, uh, Sunday. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I didn't think of it from that perspective, but that's true. Like, you know, when you look at the NBA playoffs, it's just seven game series for everything, which I will not think that the WNBA should go to because I feel like the NBA playoffs go on for far too long. And it's just like, it's yeah, I'm not saying seven, right? Too. You know, baseball yeah. added, I was thinking even of baseball, right? But they added like their wild card game. And so like, it's a playoff, but it's a wild card. It's like different. Right. It's, you know, I don't know. There's something about the way it's presented that doesn't make it feel as strange. Yeah, that's true. I could see doing something like that with what is now like the, you know, first round and then moving to series for that, like, you know, second round semis and finals. And I mean, it is, I mean, I, it's good, right? The Connecticut uh, got in, but they were the seven seed, right? I got to pull up the actual record right. here <laughs> with the, um, uh, where is the schedule of the standings here? Uh, they were seven seed, right? 10 and 12, I want to say. Mm -hmm. And so just the idea that Washington made it as a, uh, you know, nine and 13 team that won 41% of their games. Like, I don't know. Right. Like mm -hmm. you could certainly make an argument that we could just have, you know, I guess Connecticut wouldn't have made it. So I'm kind of negating my point, but, you know, either call it a mini tournament for the last, I don't know. I haven't thought this out as you can tell, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's just hard in a league with 12 to have the right number of players because the right number of teams yeah. kind of in it, right. You sort of want to have everybody that's like 500 or better. That seems kind of reasonable, but you know, could, you know, what would we have thought if we had just had the top six teams in this year and then which we would have missed out on Connecticut, but you know, let either a wild card game, which was three, six, which would have been spark sky, and links Mercury, or uh, you know, have them play a series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. I would have loved to watch a series of Links Phoenix. I think that would have been great, but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, it's a good point. Like, should you have to be over five hundred? Though I'll argue, like the Sun are under five hundred, but I think they're a much better team now than they were. You know, when they started that season, like. Oh, and five. Well, then we can go back to my uh, college <laughs> idea, right? Of just having a tournament with all the teams. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> you could do wild cards with everyone. Granted, I don't think we would have expected, you know, New York to. <laughs> yeah, but it's the same thing with the college. Else, but... Exactly. It's the same thing with the college teams that uh, are tournaments where they have all the crazy buys at the beginning. That just seems weird. You're like, okay, finally, yeah. now we're at the the last four teams or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. So, but it's exciting. And, you know, now we get the real kind of the meat of it. So, uh, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if Connecticut can, you know, kind of really carry this over. Yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be interesting. I mean, they do have like the Thomas Bonner front court is so strong. Obviously they've been kind of what's anchored, um, Connecticut all season, but you get like Brian January hit a couple threes last night. Like if you can get them hitting some threes against the aces, I think they have shot to win some of those games right like we're to kind of give this make the series closer oh yeah definitely i think it's definitely going to be matchup i um uh, wouldn't call myself an aces skeptic by any stretch but i think they're definitely beatable yeah agreed i do think they're beatable will the sun be able to beat them enough to win the series i don't know but um <laughs> we'll see 
Yeah, well, they're on a roll. So yes, they are uh, on a roll. Riding sure. high. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, yeah, it'll be good. Yes. It will be good. So um, cool. Okay, I thought I had one more topic that I was going to bring up, but I am totally blanking. So, <laughs> did you want to talk at all about the awards that uh, we saw announced yesterday? Yes. Yeah, so we came out with we got three awards yesterday, right? Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, and uh, MVP. I. I don't think we know when the rest of them are coming out. We found out like an hour before that they were being announced yesterday. So I guess we'll probably find out an hour before the rest of them are coming or they'll just come if they're not being announced on like the jump or something. But, yeah. I so wish that they would announce ahead of time, like, Hey, we're doing something at halftime of the game or, you know, whenever it's going to be, I don't yeah. understand why they just spring it on people in the middle of the day. I don't know where, I mean, it sort of felt that same way where they announced the CBA and was just like, <laughs> Hey, if you're an early riser, uh, you know, tune into Good Morning America in 10 minutes. You're like, what is going on? Uh, and like, it's cool to be on Good Morning America. But, uh, you know, I wonder, and I am not a media strategist, uh, mm -hmm. nor did I stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, I just, you got to believe that with more lead time, it would just give us time to have more anticipation on Twitter and, and go crazy. And I think people would sort of enjoy that. So we'll see what happens and, you know, how exciting they are. Yeah, agreed. And even just from like perspective of watching it too, like for me, I'm like I have a day job, so if they had given me, you know, a day's notice that the jump it was going to be on the jump, I would have like tried to block my calendar and like tuned in and to see it. But I mean, when you give me an hour's notice, when you people have day jobs or are working or whatever they're doing during the day, even if they're not working, like they just might be at Walmart or whatever, and you know, can't get home in time. Like it, it doesn't give people the opportunity to tune in and get excited about it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, they could do, you know, an, uh, I know the NBA experiment with an award show, which was like sort of interesting. Uh, it would be, I guess it'd be hard to do to get people together when they're playing overseas, but to set up some kind of award show after the season could be an interesting way to go about it too. Then we all know it's coming out, you know, Thursday night on ESPN2 at 8 p.m. Eastern or whatever in October. October right. 23rd or whatever. <laughs> yeah, great. Just... However they want to do it. I don't really have an issue with how they did it. I just wanted to like notice about it. Yeah. Um, now I will say I was looking back at the, um, your contribution to our article on Monday. I think you had said you were going with Stewart, right? Were you surprised, uh, that Wilson won and won so handily? I was not surprised that Wilson won. I was surprised that she won by such a landslide. Um, you know, she was very clearly like the overall like favorite. There was, um, you know, hard, very few, I think, votes that went to someone other than Wilson for kind of first place because the media votes as like for first through sixth place um, for MVP. So you kind of get to see that full breakdown. And yeah, I was surprised that she won by that much just because to me, when you look at their numbers and their seasons, it's really splitting hairs between the two of them. Yeah, I think she had to, you know, Stewart, you know, ultimately was probably penalized for just not playing this last couple games. Yeah, which, which it matters, right? I mean, that's like 10% yeah. of the season if you sit out two games practically. I guess true. <laughs> I didn't think of it from that perspective, but yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> but to me, um, it was in range. I forget um, how many uh, minutes Stewart played relative to Wilson. Let me pull that up real quick here. She did play less, I, you know, even without like looking at, I think per game she plays less as well, which... It's probably just a factor of, like, one, the amount of talent on Seattle and then the fact that Seattle also was, like, the largest margin of victory this 
season. So yeah. we probably needed store less down the stretch. And exactly. Right. Which gives credit, you know, which to me is a credit to Stewart, right? You know? Exactly. Right. She's so good when you're on the court that, you know, the last 10 minutes of the game, you don't really need her anymore. Yeah. She played. So Stewart played 607 minutes to 697 minutes for Wilson. So like, it's really not that far mm-hmm. off. Yeah. I think, you know, I guess I, you and I are both kind of in the minority as I again gave Stewart just a very slight edge. Yeah, it's definitely 51-49 or whatever. But uh, yeah, I was a little surprised how much of a coin flip it was. Yeah, agreed. Um, also, I would just like the people that didn't have Stuart second or that there's people that didn't even have her third. That's just baffling to me. I'm like, in what world was Brianna Stuart not one of the top two, maybe three, but really top two players in the league this summer, this year? Like, that's just baffling to me. I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> huge recency bias if uh it's just missing those last two games uh cost it to her and uh yeah wilson right as we tweeted out right won like fifteen thousand dollars for winning mvp uh and then dangerfield won a little more than five thousand for being a uh, rookie of the year so um you know congrats to them i hope that they're you know buying i, I don't know if you have to buy dinner maybe they can order out in the bubble yeah, hopefully do something to celebrate, even though you're kind of in a weird environment. I thought the, I mean, the video of Asia getting her award was awesome. Like Holly was telling the story on, I forget which game during the broadcast <laughs> yesterday, but they like basically like tricked her into like gathering. It's like there was like a meeting with like all the refs or something. And like yeah. somehow Wilson bought that story because I'm like, that sounds weird. <laughs> but um, yeah, and they totally surprised her. Um, and then there was some, I mean, there was the whole footage of Crystal getting it, but I thought it was like Nafisa like passing the crown to her. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very cool. Very cool. So yeah, we'll have to see who uh, the Lynx draft uh, this year. Yes, <laughs> maybe another rookie there. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, kind of on that note of Asia winning MVP, uh, only her third season, so very young MVP. I was thinking about this. Like what, if you had to make a, that was three years ago. So the last three draft classes, if you had to make a starting five from the last three draft classes, which there's been some, a lot of really good talent in there. What, who would you have in that like starting five? Yeah. You know, you asked me about this uh, right before we went on air and, uh, or whatever you call this. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so I scanned through it. I mean, some of them I think are pretty obvious and not controversial, um, you know, I was noticing, right, Maisha Hines Allen, didn't she get like a couple MVP votes? Uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to put her in my top mm-hmm. five uh, of the yeah. last three drafts, but uh, I thought that was pretty, that was a little surprising, right? She's been great, um, mm-hmm. but it's pretty interesting that, you know, she's approaching that level. But yeah, I mean, I think some of them are no-brainers, right? So Asia's obviously a no-brainer. Yeah. I still think Arike and Nafisa are no-brainers as well. Um, I have Nafisa. I actually don't have a Rike, but we can come back to that. Really? Okay. Well, you've yeah. clearly thought about this more than me, and I'm not really paying much attention to uh, <laughs> positions since I'm so firmly in positions of basketball. I still think I would take Sabrina, um, you know, despite the injury. And, you know, I think in the long, you know, she showed, she looked impressive in the first two games uh, for a rookie. And, you know, obviously she's not ready to be in the MVP conversation uh, this year, (laughs) but uh, that doesn't mean that she's not uh, going to be prepared to, I mean, I mean, Dangerfield, right? I mean, like I said, she's really grown on me, right? I've been raising my uh, opinion of her steadily. Um, But yeah, I was a little surprised actually, just how some of the other players that are not on the list, you know, Marina Mabry's obviously playing well this season. Mm-hmm. Um, Meg Beggar, right. I really like her game. 
but I, I'm still, I've, I'm just too high on what I saw, I guess, last year, really, right? In Diamond to Shield to not put her on. Obviously, this was not the year she was hoping for. Um, right. You know, and ultimately left the bubble for personal reasons, right? And had been not who knows what percent, but nowhere near 100%. But I still have faith in her. I think she's so talented. And, uh, you know, as long as she doesn't kind of have some kind of really bad injury where it really hurts her, um, athleticism, you know, I think she's destined for great things. So, I mean, that might be a little bit surface analysis or whatever. Uh, like I said, I haven't done a super deep dive on it because uh, you surprised me with this one. Who, who do you have? Yeah, so I agree with you, obviously, on Wilson and then Collier and DeShields as well. I think, um, you know, Asia's current MVP and then you very likely could have two future MVPs and Collier and DeShields are both players that I think could be at that level. I mean, Nafisa was was fifth in MVP voting this year already. So um, definitely on track for it to be able to kind yeah. of be someone that's in that category. And I, we didn't see that from DeShields this year, but I very well think that she's in that group of as well if she's fully healthy um but i differ from you on the guards uh so i don't have sabrina partially just because i'm like we haven't seen enough of sabrina for me to be sold on like where she's at at the next level yet um i think i'm maybe somewhat alone in the opinion that i had some hesitations about how easily her game would translate to the next level um i had some hesitations not i'm hesitation strong right i just had some questions really uh but i mean she she looked pretty good those first two games i thought yeah she did but this is also on a new york team that doesn't have a ton of other options i'm actually going with a different guard from new york though for one of my guards and that's kia nurse despite the fact that this season has not been good or great or not even good really for nurse i think a lot you know if you look at like kia nurse last season um I think she's been outstanding. And I also think um, with Kendra, some of the things is like when you look at what her time at UConn, like she's not the player that carries the team, right? Like she's not going to be the star. And I think that's part of the problem with her situation right now is that like she's very good, but when you're putting an entire team on her back, it's a little bit different story. New York just doesn't have a lot of options other than her. Um, so I think, you know, in a situation where she's – not expected to play that role she's going to be a lot better um so yeah i would still, i would have nurse on there and then my other pick would be jackie young for the guards um a little bit different of a player um but so still it's not a notre dame virus that i don't have for ricky on it's just <laughs> <laughs> i think it's your one saving grace I'm, yeah, yeah i value efficiency and it's just that i know that with like increased usage efficiency typically suffers but ricky's in like the bottom third in terms of her like field goal percentage in the league and well, I don't know. I just think that that needs to be higher for her to really reach her potential. Well, I agree that it needs to reach her potential. I'm first of all, I'm glad we're disagreeing. I feel in general, you and I agree too much. So that's <laughs> much better radio, but uh, aren't you being inconsistent if you're going to say you value efficiency, but then Kia nurse was, uh, you know, struggled mightily. I mean, clearly she was yeah. injured this season, but um, you know, as we as I think Richard pointed out, she, you know, had basically the worst shooting season in WNBA history. I think she shot what twenty five percent for the feet from the field or something. And, and to your point, I think a lot of it's probably the role. It's a combination of the injury and the role, right? I think on a better team, she'd be able to play better. But I just, you know, maybe my team again is a little conventional, a little all starry, but uh, and isn't so much about like forming the the unit with the right distribution of positions and roles. But um, I just. Uh, 
I, I, I yeah. believe in Enrique to improve it. And, you know, she's got a lot, of, you know, she has a lot of room to improve. I 100% agree. Her efficiency is, uh, let's say, a weakness, right? I wouldn't quite call it a concern. But I think that, um, you know, she, you know, she seems like she's a worker. I think that she's got that, you know, nice little step back, which I love. And yeah, she shot 33% from three this year, 35% last year. So she improved her two point uh, shooting percentage. I think it's going to be trending up, I guess, is part of what I'm thinking. Yeah. So I would say, like, obviously off of this season, I'm inconsistent by saying I value efficiency and putting Kia Nurse in there, but I'm thinking more just like Kia Nurse's traditional game, like something like where she was at last year. She is an efficient shooter. Um, for me, yeah, I with Enrique, like, I feel like we've seen the same thing since college, right? Like, she's high volume, but low, like, efficiency. That's been kind of a consistent issue. I might be on my own little island talking about this because I feel like most people are on that train I just I've always kind of thought like if she could learn to pass a little bit more and like take the sets that she should be taking but I feel like a lot of times she's like forces creating her own shot whereas like especially like a Dallas team like this you've got a lot of other shooters on the floor like finding the right time to take those shots and the right time to let someone else I thought the same thing in college right you had her Notre Dame junior senior year like that lineup was insane you had a lot of other options. Yeah, especially that senior year, right, I think was yeah. uh, more so than the junior year. But, I mean, yeah, her usage rate's basically been 30 31%, which is consistently, uh, mm-hmm. let's see, as a rookie, we had her third in usage rate this year, second. And as you said, I think there's the trade-off, right? I think if mm-hmm. she can drop her usage rate to more like 25% or so, which is, I think, closer to where people like Stewart and Wilson are, mm-hmm. I think you're going to see her efficiency, um, you know, improve even more. Yeah, I think there's like, if she could yeah. just cut out one or two tough shots a game, like whether, you know, being off balance or whatever, I think that, uh, you know, you're going to see it improve. I, I, I guess, and I think that's more likely to happen, I guess, than for Kia Nurse to, you know, not just rebound to where she was last year, but even uh, improve. So, um, you know, like Jackie Young, right, isn't really even, she's not really even starting, right? So, yeah, but she's one of those players on Vegas that's like not. <laughs> starting but like plays as many minutes as a starter would so yes she's not starting but she's in that kind of same category with Hammy where like she could have easily been your like second pick for six women of the year this year um, yeah I guess let's see here she right now she's fourth in uh minutes for uh for Vegas yeah so basically starting role or close to it so um yeah, I've always liked Jackie Young's game. It's a little bit different. Uh, you know, obviously, she's not a big like three point threat or anything, but she's very physical. She's good defensively. Um, yeah, she's always been a fan of her game. Yeah, no, I definitely appreciated what she did in um, college, and mm-hmm. you know, she's sort of again growing into a role. Obviously, she is quite literally young, and uh, I guess what you were saying about Nurse, like I'm more feel about young than I feel about nurses, I guess what okay. I would th- is how I would put it. Um, but That's I just fair. think, you know, Enrique, you know, has some weaknesses. Sure. But I mean, she did lead the league, lead the league in scoring and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe she'll turn into one of those people that always, you know, there certainly is a type cat, uh, archetype, right. Of players that legally lead the league and, you know, score a ton, but don't really make their teams better. But I don't mm-hmm. know that it, that doesn't look to me like it's her destiny. I think that, you know, she's got room to grow, but I think she's going to get, you know, ton, you know, she's got a ton of 
talent and I think room to develop it. And I think, you know, frankly, playing on, you know, championship team in college, right. She's sort of seen what it's about. And, um, you know, I think that's going to help her, you know, as she progresses through the pros as well. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I think you could say that of nurse and young as well. So (laughs) I guess remind me again, I'm sort of blanking on how dominant nurse was. When she was at UConn, I think, I mean, right, she wasn't like the, the face of the team the way Enrique was, right? No. Like like I said, I don't think that's like, you know, really her role, right? Like, I don't think she excels in that role. But I think when you have a lot of good pieces around her, she's phenomenal. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely um, came in on her very high this season as someone to be watching yeah. and see her improvement. And so it just feels like we were robbed of Yes. I feel <laughs> yeah. like uh, that, we'll that. that uh, I'm not going to say through no fault of her own because mm-hmm. I mean, she has some role in her performance during the season, but, you know, I think she was definitely hampered and, um, you know, I still am willing to give her one more shot uh, and see what happens next season. But it's interesting to think about what kinds of contracts uh, she's going to get. I do feel like she at this point in her career is probably a big, bigger name than a performer i think right i don't think i'm going out on a limb to say that um she, she was a- an all-star last year so i would say and I, she might have been like second or third team all WNBA last year don't quote me on that um so i don't know i guess it depends how you look at this season like i kind of look at this season as an anomaly it doesn't really feel like a true QNR season um yeah, no, she was an all-star, but I will point out that she's like never had a PER that's been above average. Um, her win shares per 40, she's been around average. So her advance, you know, and those aren't the end-all be-all numbers by any stretch, but, um, you know, she hasn't been a super efficient scorer. Uh, so I do think there's some element that, um, you know, fan, people like me love her, right? And so they want to see her do better. And I, I feel like that gets gives her a little bit of benefit of the doubt. So it would be really interesting to see what happens in her negotiations and, you know, what kind of a contract she thinks she's worth and what kind of a contract teams think she's worth and whether there's a mismatch there. I think there's probably some potential for that. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It'll be interesting to kind of see what happens with that. Um which, as you know, we're, you and I in particular, but I think a lot of people are fascinated by. So looking yes. forward to doing more analysis uh, on that. But I think from a number standpoint, the analysis is going to come in quite low. Yeah. Yeah. Especially after this season. Um, yeah, exactly. With this season in the books, right? So, you know, if you look at people with a trajectory like hers, um, you know, I, I think it's probably pretty rare for them to become, you know, perennial all-stars. But um, but again, this year, I think definitely for so many reasons, it's an aberration and, uh, she's clearly shown that she can perform at the highest levels, uh, in her college career. So I definitely think in the right spot, she could, um, you know, with more support that she'll be able to be a very effective, uh, WNBA player. Agreed. Agreed. She's a very nice combination. What I love about her, right. is her combination of three point rate and free throw rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I feel like similar to her game in college, she's great at getting to the line, but she's also an excellent, you know, three-point shooter. So, exactly. Yeah, I think that's why I like it, what I like about her the best. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm glad we disagreed on something. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. My court was pretty clear cut, but at least we had some disagreement. On the yeah, cards, yeah, yeah. So. 
I wonder how many people, right? I mean, again, mine aren't super creative, but I do wonder how many people are going to uh, kind of go in a different direction than the sort of what I perceive to be the conventional wisdom. Yeah, I'm probably out on my own little island with like not having Rike on that list, I'm sure. <laughs> I <laughs> think like, so. Just like I will like die on the hill that Jackie Young was the best player on that Notre Dame team. Well, let's, <laughs> let's tell our uh, Dallas listeners. I guess, yeah, Notre Dame might be okay with you, but uh, we'll have to tell our <laughs> Dallas listeners to uh, find you on Twitter, right? You're at Megan. Is it at Megan Gower 1? I always forget, right? Because it auto-completes. It's just at Megan Gower, yeah. No, it's just at Megan Gower. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So if you want, we can tell them the wrong spelling of your last name so that you don't get too much nasty. Yeah, I, I welcome the people to at me because I, I will argue it. But yeah, but yeah, it's good. Yeah, like I said, it's going to be going to be an interesting. It's going to be for so many reasons an interesting off season to see what exactly is the plan. You know, there's contract stuff, but then you know, what are the budgets going to be like, and what are the, what are the um, you know, where are they going to play uh, next year? Right? Are we going to be able to watch? in person hopefully fingers crossed <laughs> yeah and we should one say time. we should Go talk ahead. about college right uh, I don't yeah know that's exactly going. what i was gonna say one, one, of, our one of our favorite topics Go ahead. <laughs> news this week yeah college basketball is officially supposed to start november 25th that's like the wednesday of thanksgiving week so only a two day two week delay so exciting news i think gradually the leagues are starting to meet and we'll start Hopefully seeing some, some schedules and things starting to pan out in the coming weeks or month or so. So exciting news to have some form of timeline to look forward to. I believe it's 68 days from today. Yes, I'm already counting down. So um, super exciting news on the college front. Do you think we're going to um, have official tallies in uh, for the presidential election before the first college basketball game or not? I'm going to go with a no on that <laughs> one. <laughs> I think it's going to be a slow process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at least uh, college basketball. Let's just hope that we have it by Christmas at this point. Exactly right. So at least college basketball can get us through that, uh, that <laughs> period of time. But uh, yeah, no, at some level though, right? It's just like, you know, basketball never stops in women's basketball. So, uh, you know, selfishly, right? It's like, eh, you know, it might be fun to actually have a little bit more of an off season and start up closer to yeah. Christmas. But, um, but it makes, you know. Well, Maybe not this year because <laughs> there's not much else to do with that off season. But yeah, in a normal year, I think I would appreciate a larger off season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that um, it's going to be. And then, like, the real question is: Will I see you in person at the Final Four in March? Oh, fingers crossed on that as well. It'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. Like. Will fans be allowed? Are they going to make that a universal decision? Because, like, I think we've seen in college football, some leagues aren't playing. Some are not allowing fans. Some are allowing fans. Um, so it's kind of all over the place. Um, so, yeah, that'll be an interesting thing to see. Will media be allowed? Fingers crossed on that. I'm like, I will sit in the farthest corner of the arena. I feel just let me watch in person. <laughs> no one needs to be within like 30 feet of me. If uh, in person. <laughs> yeah, that part. I think that part would probably be fine. It's the traveling, right? That uh, makes me nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So. But, you know, it's, a, it's good to see that uh, people are going for it. I mean, obviously, you know, the more fo football games that are happening right now get canceled, you kind of kind of wonder but you know it seems like people just want to push through i will say i was like totally caught off guard was it during the yeah i think it was during the game was it during the games last night they started talking about the uh baseball playoffs and you're like what what's going on here that was like totally disconcerting <laughs> yeah i feel like it's sometimes i think like i was like oh like especially because like a, 
in the northeast kind of they're not really playing any college football and then you like turn on tv and there's college football and i'm like oh right that's like a thing that's happening (laughs) yeah but for me i think it's like oh yeah it is mid-september so i guess this would be when the baseball uh, you know (laughs) i don't know what happened i keep saying i feel like march and april were like the longest months ever and then i don't know we like blinked and it's fall somehow so well i don't know if it feels like blinking exactly i think it feels like it's yeah. a long process at some level but um but it is here and people are you know i mean basically like my kids are back in school i was a little skeptical um we're in like a hybrid system where they're going every other day and uh, actually my wife teaches in high school and her school someone was uh diagnosed or whatever so they stayed home for a couple of days to deep clean it um but I was pretty skeptical. I mean, we're wearing our masks, you know, we're quite good um, as far as, you know, following all the the protocols and whatnot. And I was a little concerned about what was going to happen at school, but there is no doubt that it's been good for the kids to go in person. And, you know, they don't seem like they're feeling like they're super exposed. Everyone's wearing masks there. So uh, it does give me hope that if uh, we can all get our act together as a country, we can have uh, 20,000 people at the final four in March or I guess April. Yes, hopefully. Maybe we'll have a vaccine by then that's been somewhat distributed. Who knows? I don't know. But <laughs> That's a whole yeah, other hopefully. structure. But what I would say is do yeah. your part if you're listening, right? Help us yes, out. Yes, we're to on Get our all normal lives back, hopefully, or something that resembles normal life back at least. So, yeah, Do Megan a favor. <laughs> yes, I need to like travel and watch basketball in person again. <laughs> so please wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, maybe we should leave it at that then, huh? Yeah, so thanks for listening and wear a mask. <laughs> thanks for joining, Aaron. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks. And thanks to everybody, uh, yeah, as you said, who's been listening and hope you've had a chance to uh, check out our site, uh, our stats site. Um, you know, I've been using that a bit as we've been kind of covering the playoffs. And so, um, you know, we discover more things that might make it easier, but it's also been super helpful. Um, so I'm really enjoying that personally. And then, you know, all the great work that everybody's doing on other podcasts, the happy hours that Gabe and uh, Calvin are doing with Shay producing, I think have been coming out uh, really well. So if you're looking a little extra coverage ahead of the games, the playoff games, uh, definitely tune into that on Twitter and YouTube as well. And I think I mentioned our articles, right? Basically plug everything, yeah. follow, uh, <laughs> follow us at, at her hoops stats and uh, you won't miss a thing. Yes, exactly. At her hoops staff, subscribe to this newsletter on Substack so you get it right to your inbox. Um, check out the stats site. I've been having a little bit too much fun with that research tool. It's like a rabbit hole for me, but um, it is, it is. And the more you use it, I feel like the more ideas you're like, oh, we need to add this. We need to add that. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. Cool, cool, cool. Right, well, thanks well, again. I appreciate you making time uh, on a Friday morning, and everybody's listening, making time on presumably a Friday afternoon to listen. Yes. Thanks, Aaron. Bye-bye. Whoa.